This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This week on Meet and 3, we have stories about food in large quantities. From bulk buying groups and reasons for stocking up, to creative solutions for handling excess waste. We have someone picking up our corks from the wine bottles and they repurpose them to make buoys for boats and, and, and like shoes and all these different things. Yeah, because of the COVID, uh, everybody like uh, isolated at home. But uh, to see the people face to face is still exciting. So we kind of treat it like a chance to say hello to the people and to the friend. Listen to Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. haunted food podcast Ugh. about the highs and low of all things edible spreadable and pourable with me Zara Tangora I'm haunted and me Nicole Bailey you're are you haunted or not uh I am haunted okay perfect this actually makes sense today that we're both haunted because it's spooky season friends <laughs> how do you feel about spooky season Nicole you like it um, I do like spooky season, but I don't like dressing up for Halloween. Interesting. Have you, when was the last time that you did dress up for Halloween? I don't know. Not that long ago. I always get peer pressured into it. It's rude. What, do you remember what, like any of your hit list costumes? No, cause I don't like anything that I do. I just try to make it what I'm wearing. And like, this is my costume. You're like, I'm Daria. <laughs> um, I have a couple of very good costumes throughout the year. The years. The year I dress up for Halloween every month. (laughs) Once a month, it's Halloween for me. Um, uh, I remember being a leprechaun, I think in like the eighth grade. Oh, you're talking about childhood costumes? Yeah, I meant like ever. Oh. Yeah. I dressed up as a leprechaun and my mom rented me like a professional (laughs) leprechaun costume. That's crazy. It was amazing. Um, I was a Hershey's Kiss one time, which was adorable. My cousins were Hershey Kisses one year. Really? It's Mm -hmm. cute. That's a cute costume. Very cute. Uh, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I was Wednesday Adams. My dad was Fester Adams one year. I've been Pippi Longstockings. I was Robin Hood. Then last year, I was invited to a very she-she Halloween party. No brag. Um... It was Heidi Klum's Halloween party. Wow, and, you went ahead and dropped the name. Yeah, I don't ever heard of her, <laughs> Heidi Klum. But um, it was very fun, and uh, it wasn't like she's a personal friend of mine. There was, like, thousands of people there. But anyway, uh, I was going to be a foot. I had been really hell-bent on being a big foot for Halloween, and I got vetoed by everybody. So I instead went against my better instincts and dressed as Julia Roberts from Pretty Woman in the sex worker costume and it was it was pretty good (laughs) so that's me um have you done uh any you have any cute ones from kiddo memories 
One year, my mom dressed up my sister and I as IU cheerleaders. They had teeny tiny IU cheerleading uniforms because she's a big IU. That's Indiana University for everyone. A basketball fan. One year, I was She-Ra, which was just like a costume you buy at the store. So it was like a plastic sheath with She-Ra costume on it and then a plastic (laughs) mask, which was very hot and sweaty. Um, one year, my sister and I were Crayola crayons, which oh my God. was a costume that my mom made from, like, you know, like a pattern that you buy. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, I'm trying to think. What color were you? Well, we Royal were... Royal blue? It, it's, like, not a real Crayola crayon, because it's, like, every color. Every color. It's, like, a, a rainbow stripe. Oh, got it, got it, got it. So gotta, it's gotta. a little misleading. Wow. Um... I think that's all the ones I can remember. Also, I just remember my dad always being a hobo to take us around, which just meant that he wore a flannel shirt and jeans. <laughs> and did he have one of those sticks with a bandana on the end no. to keep all your belongings in? No, he's just like, I'm a hobo. Oh, really? Because I think that's what really ma- like seals the deal on the hobo <laughs> costume is the stick with the bandana mm-hmm. on the end. No, you you're should right. tell him that. I, I will tell him them. You should make him one for his birthday so he can use it next Halloween. But it'd be weird because his birthday is in early November. So I'd be like, you just missed getting him be able to use this. <laughs> now pack this away safely for next year. <laughs> I could not possibly have made it any earlier for you to use. Sorry, Dad. What do you feel like the uh, the costumes that are going to be most popular this year for all the people who are complete... Uh, freak shows and deciding to like go out and party and smush together and spread coronavirus. Ugh, I don't even want to think about those people, but obviously Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh yes, that's going to be a big one, right? I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah, and then probably I have no idea. I, I think do... a lot of people. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say I think a lot of people are going to be coronavirus. Sure. You know what I think is a good costume that I've never done, but I think is something that will never die, is those giant rubbery horse masks. Oh. Because <laughs> those are so hilarious. Yeah, those are really funny. I I agree. I've always wanted to be a toilet paper mummy. Um, I also like a bottle of ketchup, I think, is a funny costume. I think inanimate object costumes are funny. Or just, like, silly, like, old-fashioned costumes, like being a pumpkin or a bat <laughs> you know like yeah. that's cute i think a lot of people are going to be mailboxes and like usps <laughs> things i think that's going to be trending hard this year um i think there's going to be a lot of people dressing as joe biden and by that i just mean like a scary undead <laughs> monster zombie ghoul yeah weekend um, at biden's <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, um Halloween yeah. is still a couple of weeks away, folks, so you have some time to think about that. Yeah, but don't bob for apples, because that's a sure way to get corona. Yeah, that's true. Or don't stick your hand in, in things of wet spaghetti or grapes, because, again, Ew, lots yeah. of germs in there. I and, do, that's, and that's scary. I have been watching a lot of scary movies, though, and also I like to read scary books. I like to get into Ooh. the spirit. I like Spooky. to do scary stuff, but not dress up in a dumb costume. What have you been watching? Um, I watched The Shining. Ah! <laughs> I watched... <laughs> Sorry. This one called Oculus, which came out, I don't know, five or six years ago. That's... I think it's pretty good in terms of, like, late late era 
horror, which is usually pretty bad. Yeah. Um, it's not too bad. It scares me. Very scary. I also watched, um, not Insidious, but it stars Ethan Hawke. I had never seen it before. It was actually pretty scary. Reality Bites? Yes, that was it. <laughs> it's about the terrors of trying to find a job after college in the 90s. <laughs> it's about the terrors of Ben Stiller potentially being your boyfriend. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, though, sorry, I, so I watched How I Met Your Mother. I'm sorry to all my fans. Ah! Um, but he has a Halloween costume where he's a hanging chad because of the election that year where all of the um, the hanging chad refers to the little piece of paper that's hanging on the back of the manual voting paper once you punch it. Oh, that's so fringe. <laughs> I know, but it's really funny because he, he like redoes that costume again like 10 years later because he wants to meet Katie Holmes who plays like this slutty pumpkin. Anyway, I just thought it was really funny that he did that. That's um, amazing. I saw a picture this weekend. I was visiting my friend Alexis and she uh, we were chatting about Halloween costumes and stuff and she reminded me of the uh, year when we decorated Brucey uh, like Christmas and we all dressed as different things from Christmas. We played Christmas music. It was really awesome and it actually snowed and um, I was dressed as Santa and then I went back to hang out with her at her apartment after and I guess I was doing a little bit of cocaine and I there's a picture of me she like whips out her phone and she shows me a picture of me dressed as Santa like snorting cocaine oh it's like snow <laughs> I know it was very funny that is very funny yeah it was hilarious guys the real Santa does cocaine too sorry to sorry to tell you <laughs> Sorry for our underage um, listeners. Don't do yeah, drugs. Sorry for it's all cool. our child listeners. Yeah. <laughs> sorry for all our baby listeners. Everybody does cocaine. I'm <clears throat> just kidding. I don't do cocaine anymore. But when I'm dressed as Santa, I do. Same. Um. Yeah. Last year we had a great spooky season. We went on a romantic getaway to uh, the Berkshires. Yes, and we watched Scream. Oh, I watched Scream Four, which I had never seen. Yeah, I've never seen that one either. I've been kind of, like, easing myself into scary movies. I've been watching a lot of erotic thrillers. Oh, um, right. Because, as you guys all know, I'm pathologically single. So I'm just home alone, just watching some sexy, erotic, softcore porn thrillers. Did you watch um, the one with Madonna and Willem Dafoe? No, I haven't watched Body that yet. Heat. Body Dub... No. Body it's Heat. It's not called Body... No, Body Heat is with um, William Hurt. And um, Kathleen Turner. Damn it. It starts with an E. The object of my affection. (laughs) Yeah. It's called Along Came Polly. Um, And then I watched... uh, Body of Evidence. Body of Evidence. Yes, (laughs) yes. I watched a movie called Sea of Love with Al Pacino. Okay. Um, And uh, who was the woman in that? Wow, my my brain box oh ellen barkin uh really great Mm. and then last night i watched american gigolo with richard Gere. you see his peen i love that it's good you love his peen or the whole movie i know or both (laughs) i love the whole movie i actually don't i'm not i'm not a richard Gere guy i actually don't find him attractive in most movies except for the mothman prophecies just kidding (laughs) (laughs) 
I like whatever movie he did where he played like an old curmudgeon Jew that came out a couple of years ago. Really hot. No, I don't really love oh. Richard Gere either. I don't I know, find know his that face is. to be too round. He has like a weird round nose that doesn't really work for me. And plus the whole gerbil butt thing, which we all know is 100% true. Um, you know, was a turn on. Um, but, I um, feel like that might be homophobic, but um, the... Is it? Oh, I'm so sorry. I have I think no idea. He, I think that um, he's just a bad actor. I don't even know if he's that good in Pretty Woman. He has like seven lines in Pretty Woman, though, literally. The man barely speaks in that movie. Yeah, that's true. I also heard he's he's a bad cook. Oh, yeah, he's in that movie with Winona Ryder. Oh, Autumn in he New plays York? A, yeah, he plays a restaurant owner. Oh, I was just kidding. I was just trying to say other mean shit about Richard Gere and then get away from... <laughs> The gerbil <laughs> comment, which I had not realized was offensive to anyone but Richard Gere. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, let's just agree that he's haunted and he's too bulbous looking. But, but not haunting. But not haunting. <laughs> he's yeah, haunted. I just, he's not. Yeah. No, no, I'm not haunted by any of his performances. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how many movies Richard Gere. I feel like I could think of like three Richard Gere movies, yet he's like. Was a really so famous person. Movies. I mean, I do like the Mothman prophecies, but it's definitely not because of Richard Gere. It's because of the mystery of the Mothman. Right. The Mothman. Now that's spooky. Okay. That's a, that should be another totally episode. Totally spooky. The Mothman is very spooky. That whole legend. Um, yeah. Should we perhaps get into our topic? Because I have quite a long portion today. Oh, okay. Well, good. Because mine is pretty, I was looking at it today and it's a little bit short. So that works out. Perf. Amazing. Of course, we have been talking for 45 minutes, but it's fine. That's true. Um, so I wanted to Richard do Gere. haunted foods. Ah! I wanted to do haunted foods, um, and I also I'm gonna cause probably a controversy with all of our religious listeners and also the Catholic Church because I Uh-oh. chose Jesus and Mary on toast as my haunted food <laughs> item. <laughs> I love it. And some people probably don't think that that's haunting, but I do. Okay? I'm scared. So, as you probably know, people <laughs> people in the world have seen the face of Jesus and his mom, Mary, on toast, but also on a lot of other food items. So I just have a yeah. list here of all the places that people have seen our Lord Jesus Christ in their food. That we've okay. got potato chips we've got cheetos we've got fish what? stick we've got a <laughs> breakfast taco a pancake a banana peel the inside of an orange a piece of naan a pierogi which was sold what? for 1775 dollars on ebay <laughs> oh my god literally um, a pizza a whole a whole pizza wow a banana chip a pretzel, peanut oh. bread, grilled cheese. We're going to come back to grilled cheese in a second. Marmite, ice okay. cream. And from the picture, it looked like Spumoni ice cream, just for the record. Well, um, I mean, it would have to have some kind single, of texture. Yeah, a swirl. Uh, a Funyun, <laughs> an apple. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> a raw potato and Satan. Or Satan. Wait a minute. Satan? Oh, oh. The vegan oh my. 
What? No, I'm just saying, like, my mind's blown thinking about Jesus and Satan. I know. I mean, it really makes you think, doesn't it? I'm scratching my head right now. You can't see me, but I am. <laughs> um, okay. So the one that I was most familiar with was the Virgin Mary on a slice of grilled cheese, mm-hmm. which apparently sold for $28,000 on <laughs> That's eBay. money well spent. And I found out about this from Weird News on NBC, <laughs> NBCnews.com. And I just want to read you this. The first sentence in this article because it's so good. They should get um, some sort of writing award, Pulitzer Prize for a this. Pulitzer um, Prize. A woman, <laughs> a Pulitzer. Sorry, a Pulitzer. A um, Pulitzer Prize. A woman prize. who said her ten-year-old. <laughs> at... Please don't interrupt me when I'm speaking. A uh... <laughs> Pulitzer Prize. Sorry. A woman who said her 10-year-old grilled cheese sandwich bore the image of the Virgin Mary will be getting a lot more bread. So. I just choked. <laughs> That's good. That is Pulitzer material. Um, there's there's a lot to think about there because that means that freaking sandwich was 10 years old. It was bought by an online casino also. Wow. How Everything about this is very strange. Now, wouldn't it have become moldy after 10 years? I don't know. She probably vacuum sealed it or something. I didn't. I didn't look up into it. But you know, even if it's moldy, you can still see the Virgin Mary. You know, does it look like? I don't know what the Virgin Mary looks like. Honestly, um, I would be like, oh, Barbara like, Streisand is on here. Yeah. Well, you have to be religious, I think, for the most part, to see her. She only shows up to people that are like into her. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, we also found, or I, not we, I did all this research alone, but the face of Mother Teresa was identified in a cinnamon bun in a bongo java, which is the name of a coffee shop, Mm -hmm, and a mm -hmm. bongo Your favorite coffee shop. In Nashville, Tennessee, (laughs) in Nashville, Tennessee, on the 15th of October, 1996. It's almost the 15th of October right now. What well, does it mean? Well, I mean, we'll um, have to ask they Bongo, Bongo Juice. The cinnamon roll, the nun bun. They made T-shirts. <laughs> they made mugs. They had <laughs> news people coming to visit them. It became a huge phenomenon until on Christmas Day, two thousand five, somebody broke into the coffee shop and stole the nun bun. <laughs> <laughs> a runaway nun bun. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, there's also people who have, you know, capitalists have gotten on this train of Jesus being in your toast and whatnot. And so you yourself, if you aren't just like seeing Jesus in your toast and you want to, you can buy some products that will put it on there for you. Oh, really? So there is something called the Holy Toast Bread Stamper which you slide it into your toaster <laughs> and it has a shape of Jesus's face on it and it burns it onto the side of the toast. <laughs> There's also something That's called... That's awesome. <laughs> There's also something called the grilled Jesus, which is basically kind of looks like a George <laughs> Foreman grill, but it burns the <laughs> face of Jesus right into the side of your grilled cheese or the mm. Virgin Mary. You can pick which one you want. Okay. Um... There's the less inspired named the Jesus Toaster, 
which is just, just every piece <laughs> right of bread to the that point. you toast has Jesus's, Jesus's face burn right into the side of it, um, <laughs> which I would be interested in. Yeah, um, I, I actually have I've, something that my mom got me because she has no respect for religion or Jesus. I, I She barely even knows who Jesus is. But she got me um, a cheese grater called the Jesus Christ grater. I'm into that. And it doesn't work. It's the worst. <laughs> you would think <laughs> that Jesus would be a little bit more efficient at grating even something as easy as Parmigiano, but no. I guess they didn't have cheese, though, in the Bible, did they? I don't know. Or he's, like, lactose intolerant. Who's Who's to say? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just felt like that was important. No, it was very, very good. Um, I also just want to point out in my research into novelty toasters, a whole genre of things I didn't know existed. Um, there is also a novelty toaster that <laughs> burns your selfies into toast. So you can load it up <gasps> with pictures of whatever. I mean, really whatever you want, but it's advertised as a selfie toaster. And you wow. can have toast that has your face on it <laughs> i feel like toast has now officially jumped the shark is that fair to say toast is over yeah definitely um it might be more appropriate to say that the fucking world is crazy and people will find a way to sell anything <laughs> yeah that's true i um, mean can you imagine the level of narcissism like obviously we already live in such a, like narcissistic culture but to think that like not only i could see it even being marketed as like Print your pictures on your toast, but your selfies? You, you want to eat a piece of toast with your own face on it and a picture that you took of yourself? That's now, very weird. I think that this is a little bit less about narcissism and a little bit more about this big problem we have with our society and the world in general, I guess. But I only know about America because that's where I'm from. But um, yeah. <laughs> there's this whole... Um, gift industry like novelty gift industry which right. is extraordinarily wasteful and it just has like you're like oh my god it's so hilarious i'm gonna buy some on this selfie toaster and then right it's a piece of shit they're gonna throw it in the trash but there's a whole like process and company and factory in place and workers and exploited workers in place that are like making this toaster that you're just getting as a gag gift to your friend and i know it's wild that's the issue not narcissism sorry okay that's true but like you know you have if you've always wanted to eat yourself out it's a perfect gift also but, i gotta tell you i would like it if someone you would like that it toaster. but if okay. you want if you really feel like this is something that's speaking to you and you want to maybe get something like this for a friend or a gift, I recommend the Holy Toast bread stamper because those things are just little pieces of metal that go into your toaster and then mm. they're removable so that you don't, you know, you can throw them away, whatever, but it's made out of metal. And that way also not every piece of toast that you make is covered in the Lord. <laughs> right, right, right. <clears throat> well, very interesting. Perhaps we should do a novelty food episode coming up. Yeah, would you like that, should. guys? Would you like that? Hold on. I bet you would. But I have a little bit more information to give you really quickly. Oh, well, please. Go right ahead. So, perceptions of religious imagery in your food is actually a whole thing. Like, they have a scientific term for it. It's called pareidolia. And Ooh. it's basically, this is the definition, according to wikipedia.com. It's the tendency for incorrect perception of a stimulus, an object, a pattern, or an incident to have meaning. Um, so some examples are, basically the whole thing is like our brains try to make patterns out of things no matter what. Right. So we'll, we'll, sit, we'll like address, we'll like 
give something meaning that actually is meaningless because our brains are trying to like put something together. It's the whole thing with like coincidences too. Or also like the man on the moon, the face in the moon. Oh yeah. Um, backwards records where people have, um, there's also like a reply all episode, I think about backwards records. Mm. And they say that like, they like play a bunch of stuff backwards and like different people hear different things. Cause you're just kind of like associating patterns with like the things that you hear, but that stuff isn't really usually in there. Um, and also, some people hear voices in their air conditioner from like the what <laughs> the rattling. No, <laughs> that's real. Yeah, I feel like I've had that happen to me before because I have like a really old window unit at my old apartment, and I definitely have like been like, "What is that?" But it's New York, so you just assume it's some crazy person on the street. Um, I think that there might be a mouse in my house, and I've been thinking that like perhaps like I I like. I was thinking about this last night that when you do have a mouse in your house, it can actually make you think that you're going crazy or that like, um, there's a ghost because like, you're like, did I just hear something? Like, what Mm -hmm. was that? Did I just see something flash behind me? Yeah. And then like, I've just been seeing like weird stealthy things everywhere. Yeah. But really I think it's just a mouse. They think that, I mean, scientists who are, do don't believe in ghosts. They think that this phenomenon is what people actually are seeing when they think that they see Mm -hmm. ghosts in houses um, also, interestingly, at one time, this was considered a symptom of psychosis, but now it's considered normal human tendency. So it's hilarious for all those people that had to go to the insane asylum in the 1800s because they were having this problem, which is now just a normal human tendency. Um, <laughs> and uh-huh. one more thing, I have to finish off with something that's a little bit scarier to make everyone spooked out, which ah! is... There's another phenomenon called a shadow person, also known as a shadow figure or a shadow being or a black mass. And that is the perception of a patch of shadow or darkness as a living humanoid figure. And that's the scariest thing I've ever heard. And I want you guys to think about that. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm going to go hide. I don't know where I will hide. I don't have a lot of places to hide in my apartment, but I'm going to find somewhere to hide, maybe in my neighbor's house. Yeah, nowhere where there's shadows because they become a humanoid figure. What do you think that you're... Somebody asked me this this weekend. They're like, one of my good friends, he's like, what do you think is your shadow self? Like, what is... Do you have any shadow behavior or, like, shadow self? I don't know what that means. Like, your dark side. Oh. I don't know. Do you? Yeah, I'm a serial killer. But other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> so, no? <laughs> is that like a shadow thing? I don't. I guess I don't really understand what the definition of shadow is. It's just like something yeah. you do that nobody knows about? I guess. I was like, well, I smoke cigarettes sometimes. Does that count? <laughs> no. They're like, no. Like, do you ever, you know, do you torture animals or things what? like that? What? Who was asking you this? A psychotherapist? <laughs> No, it was just a friend of mine. He didn't mean it like that, but it did lead me to want to ask you if you have ever tortured animals, just because I feel like I wanted to always know the answer to that. I'm assuming yes. Have I ever tortured animals? No. Yeah. (laughs) Me neither. Okay, should we take a break? (laughs) Yes, I'm leaving for good. All right, cool. Bye. All of us at HRN have been keeping busy, despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. 
While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, food podcasts from HRN provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of Food Radio by becoming a member of HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new show. I bet you you're not back. Maybe your shadow self is back. Your oh, yeah. haunted, spooky, creepy self. Hello. <laughs> My shadow self doesn't talk. What are you drinking? What are you drinking? P.S. I am drinking a vodka soda. Ooh. Guess what I'm drinking? Can you tell by the by the sound of the clink in my glass? Diet Coke. Mmm. You're right. I know. How did you know? Because that's what you were drinking last time. I'm hooked. Guys, I have a problem. If anyone has a suggestion on how to quit Diet Coke, please let me know. It's my shadow self. It's not me. My shadow self became addicted to aspartame, as you may already know from listening Last to previous episodes. episodes. <laughs> I don't have that many interesting things to say. I drink Diet Coke. Sometimes I smoke cigarettes. I went to Heidi Klum's Halloween party. Other than that, I'm a boring piece of shit. Sorry. Hello? What? Are you still there? Sorry, your shadow self took over and started singing, so I blacked out. <laughs> I know you love it when people sing on podcasts. Um, I have <laughs> some very interesting spooky content for you today. Are you ready? It's spooky. It's. I'm going to need you to really hold on to your butt very tightly, all right? Yeah. Is it creepy okay. and kooky? It's a little bit. It's altogether spooky. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Wait, I also, I'm hold on. Before we start, I just want to do a shout um, out to... Okay. <laughs> the Adams Family. <laughs> yeah, shout to out to the, Yo, What Up, Adams Family. The Adams Family Part 2 with Joan Cusack, an excellent film. Everyone, if you haven't seen it in a while, please go watch it. You'll laugh. Otherwise known as Adams Family Values. It's a great film. So good. Anyway, really, moving on. Christina Ricci in her prime. Um, okay, so listen, I got my information today from the New York Post. From an article called Vicious Spirits, um, a lot from Eater, from Spoon University. I got uh, a lot of information from an article on Vice, Munchies. Spoon University? Spoon University, yes. My favorite university. (laughs) I'm not going to, I don't think that's an accredited university. (laughs) (laughs) Where I got my degree, okay? Um, So I'm going to start you off with a joke because I know that you love when I do that. And um, so, okay. I once ate at a haunted French restaurant. The place gave me the creps. <laughs> I don't get it. Call back. Instead of the creeps, it's the creps. Oh, like the creeps. creeps. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Oh, my God. Come on. Come on. You love crepes. We already know this from when we talked about crepes a couple weeks ago. You said, it's Heather, true. your favorite, 
your favorite flat pancake. Death row meal. Just a million crepes. (laughs) (laughs) I did see a recipe recently for a crepe cake, um, which is just like a layer of lots of crepes with a bunch of stuff in between. Yeah, I've seen It looks pretty good. No. I've already, I've also made one. I made a crepe Suzette cake a couple years ago and it was delicious. So take that, put that in your crepe and roll it. I will. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to talk to you today, Nicole, about some of New York City's most haunted restaurants. (laughs) New York City's haunted restaurants. (laughs) Now I have, I'm going to admit that it took all my willpower not to do this story about my favorite haunted restaurant, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, Mm. But I figured that listeners could use just a quick break um, from my love affair with theme restaurants, and perhaps we'll revisit it for Halloween. Who's to say? But I also thought it would be unfair to do Jekyll and Hyde when we couldn't go there. And uh, I believe it's probably closed, unless people are trying to eat on the sidewalk uh, of Jekyll and Hyde and be, like, served by a waiter wearing a face mask and, like, a toilet paper mummy outfit. But anyway, so the first haunted restaurant I want to talk to you about is Il Buco, which is very fancy for anyone who has not been there. It's kind of like a very fancy wine-centric Italian restaurant located at 47 Bond Street. So this is a spooky old building that dates back to the 1840s. Um, Spooky. Spooky. The 18, the haunted, the roaring haunted 40s. Um, there's a book by Luke Sante called Low Life that talks about Bond Street and what it was like back then. And I guess it was like a red light district. Lots of sex work, things of that sort. Spooky, creepy, lots of drunk people, sailors, whiskey, wine. Edgar Allan Poe spent a lot of time in the building where Il Buco now is. And apparently there was a speakeasy in the basement um, and a woman who lived in the building was a good friend of his. Now, this a lot of this is from an article called Ghost, uh, Ghostbusters Cleared My Restaurant Cellar of a Restless Woman's Spirit, written by the owner. Wow, um, it's Donna a long Leonard. title. It's very wordy, honestly, <laughs> munchies, and you want to think about that, but I did find it very interesting. Um, so anyway, he would visit uh, the woman when his wife was sick, Edgar Allan Poe, and she helped him out and befriended him, and when he was spending time there, it inspired him to write the cask of uh, Amontadalo. And so anyway, he was there, he was writing ghost stories, flash forward to the 90s, Ghostbusters, not the Dan Aykroyd Ghostbusters, but I guess like just, you know, ghost hunters come in, and they go into the place, they go down to the basement for about 45 minutes, they come up really shaken, and both of the ghost hunters said they had seen in the same premonition walking around at the top of the steps and heard a baby crying and a woman screaming. So they ran into the cellar and got the sense that the woman was murdered in the cellar and the spirit couldn't get free. The owners of... Um, but couldn't it just off. be a baby crying from next door? <laughs> yeah, it was really just that it's New York City and like you can hear babies crying everywhere. <laughs> I hear a baby crying outside of my window every morning at 7.15 belongs to my neighbors, but they're moving out. Thank the fucking Lord. Thank Jesus on a toast. Um, anyway, the owners both said that they like felt creepy, weird vibes. Things would fall off the walls, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to move through a couple of these because I want to focus on one specific restaurant. 
Um, then there's the Bridge Cafe, which is no longer open, but it was one of New York's oldest establishments at 279 Water Street down by the South Street Seaport. It was opened in 1794 as like a bar and it had been a what? bar restaurant ever since then in some capacity. Yeah. Wow. I know. It was very, 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 very old, old. That's old. <laughs> I mean, that's some old, that's some old barring, barring right there. Um, yeah, the 1700s. Yeah, that's crazy shit. That's mad old. Um, so anyway, Henry Williams had operated a brothel there from 1847 to 1860. And it's said to be haunted by the ghosts of, el- of olden times sex workers and also mostly by a six foot tall 19th century female bouncer, Gallus Mag, who supposedly haunts the century's old bridge cafe. Because she died there or she just like wanted to hang out? Like, why would you want to go back to work after you died? That's a very good point. She's like, I love this job. I love kicking out old, <laughs> drunk, horrible people. I don't know, but I would love to read more about that. I only kind of just wanted to put little snippets of a couple of these things. But sure. I kind of, it's too bad. I never went there. It closed maybe like in 2012, I think. Um, but I wish I had gone because I love old establishments. Like this next establishment we're I, about to talk to. I think but, that I've been to that place. Hmm. It was in like a red. That's all. House, kind of looking place. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I used to work. I used to work near there. That's a part we of the city I never time. hang out in. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't have normally hung out there. Although that movie theater that's down there, even though we can't go to the movies anymore, was always very empty, which was nice. Yeah, I never really spend time. Are you talking about the one in Battery Park? Yeah. Yeah, that is. I went there on Christmas Eve and saw um, Uncut Gems, and it was a great movie theater. I gotta say, R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> to the entire movie theater industry. Hope you had fun. <laughs> All last said. The next place is a place that I love um, in Greenwich Village called the White Horse Tavern. It's at five sixty seven Hudson Street. Have you ever been there? I have been there. Yes. Great signage outside. Just like a good old dive, old old dive bar. Um. It was opened in the 1800s, and it was a fave of um, arter, art, arters. It was a fave of arters. I'm done. Arters? I've just had a, I just had a stroke. Goodbye. It was a fave of artists and writers uh, like Dylan Thomas, Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg, Jim Morrison. Um, legend <laughs> has it that once after drinking too much and getting kicked out of the bar, Jack Kerouac saw the words, go home, Jack, scribbled near the urinals. Like to this in day, Hook. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. I haven't seen Hook in so long. Yes, exactly. I think it's that Run was, Home Jack, but whatever. That took place in the White House ta- White Horse Tavern. Obviously, they ripped off this story to make the movie Hook. Absolutely. Do you think there's a White House Tavern? Like, in the White House, do you think there's a tavern? Like, is there sure. a bar in there? I'm sure there is. Interesting. If you live in the White House, please call into the show. Just kidding. Um... So anyway, to this day, different versions of Go Home Jack uh, and Jack Go Home are still found written mysteriously on the walls, perhaps and by perhaps by a peeing patron, but most likely by a ghost with a Sharpie. <laughs> a peeing um, patron. So they say that one of the ghosts that haunts the White Horse Tavern is Dylan Thomas, the Welsh poet um, of the early 1900s. Who He died at the Chelsea Hotel, which is at in room 206 um and it says from unexplained causes but he had been at the white house white horse tavern it's very hard for me to say white horse tavern 
and he had drank 18 whiskeys there before going back to the Chelsea Hotel and dying. And that, in today's terms, is like 400,000 whiskeys, right? Right. Yeah, because it was probably like, I mean, you know, Navy strength or whatever. That's interesting because um, he's Welsh, and we had that whole part where I talked about Welsh rarebit. I wonder if he had, I guess if he had had some Welsh rarebit, he might not have died. Yeah, exactly. All he needed was a listen, guys, if you're going to drink whiskey, if you're going to drink 18 whiskeys, drink, have a little Welsh rarebit just before. Nothing else, just Welsh rarebit. <laughs> just a little, just a bite. Just have a bite. Look, just take one bite. It's good for you. It's good for you. Um, okay, sidebar here about the Chelsea Hotel, which is also haunted um, by several ghosts, one of which is Nancy Spungen, the girlfriend of Sid Vicious, who was found stabbed to death on October 12th, 1978. Many people have claimed to see her and him, even though he didn't die there. He died uh, a couple months later, I think, almost a year later. But anyway, uh, people have claimed to see them. They've also <clears throat> claimed that in the Chelsea Hotel that there's hot and cold spots, gushes of wind, items being moved, the sound of loud footsteps, and drawers and windows opening and shutting by themselves. Hmm. The sound yeah. of loud footsteps. <laughs> yeah. Like in a, loud. every apartment <laughs> in New York. Right. So I know it's very unusual to hear loud footsteps while you're staying at a hotel, um, but it could be a ghost or it could just be the fucking asshole upstairs walking around with fogs. <laughs> Um, so anyway, at the White Horse, they leave a beer and a shot out most nights for Dylan Thomas. Oh, that's very sweet of them. It is cool. But wasteful. So, but very rude. I mean, I'm sure somebody drinks it at the end of the night. So this is the one that I really want to talk to you most about. I think that this story is very interesting. <laughs> this is a place that I've regrettably never been to. Um, I probably wouldn't want to eat here, but I heard it's beautiful and I would love to. This is the kind of spot I'd love to just go sit and have a drink at the bar. Uh, one if by land, two if by sea. Have you oh, ever where been? where is that place? It's at 17 Bar- Barrow Street in Greenwich Village. Wait, what street? I think 17 Barrow Street. Barrow Street. Yeah. It's very, very fancy. It's in an old carriage house. Um, And, yeah, it, it, like, dates back to the 1700s, not the restaurant part. But it's very fancy. It's very expensive. Um, it's glam, and it's super fucking haunted. So really? I think we can also all agree, and I want to talk more about this. There's all these other things I found out, but I think that the West Village. It's fair to say that the West Village is the most haunted part of New York City. Sure, there's so many things. There's like a death house that's like so haunted. I started getting into it. The Jane Hotel is haunted. There's like a lot of. I mean, it's like a spooky part of town. It looks haunted. Mm-hmm. What's a death house? I'll have to tell you about it on the next week's episode because it's too much to get into. But anyway, one of my land, two of my sea is located at 17 Barrow Street. The restaurant part of it opened in 1973. And just for a little bit of um, history, one of my land, two of my sea is a phrase that was coined by the American poet Henry Wadsworth, which is, by the way, the greatest middle name ever, Wadsworth Longfellow, Longfellow, in his poem, Paul Revere's Ride. Um... It was a reference to the secret signal orchestrated by Revere during his historic ride from Boston to Concord on the verge of the American Revolutionary War. The signal was meant to alert uh, patriots about the route of the British troops who were choosing to advance to Concord. So, are you ready for the tale of One If By Land, Two If By Sea? I'm so ready. Okay. One If By Land, Two If By Sea started as a carriage house that was built in 1767 and belonged to none other than Vice President at the time, Aaron Burr. 
Ever heard of him? Oh, Murderer Amber. Aaron Burr. <laughs> what up, Aaron Burr? You murderous freak. <laughs> Wait, wasn't he murdered? No, no, he no. He murdered. Murderer? He murdered Alexander Hamilton. So during the 1790s, because oh, okay. that was that got milk commercial with Aaron. Yes, it was exactly. We talked about this on an earlier episode. Um, during the 1790s, your favorite time in American history, uh, Aaron Burr kept his horses there, and he it, lived yeah. ne- there with his daughter uh, Theodosa. My my favorite name. <laughs> I'm going to name my firstborn child Theodosa. Whether- yeah, there's a lot of female v- variations on Theodore, which I think is hilarious. Theodosa. So, Burr's wife, also named Theodosa, Theodosa Bartow Provost, very awkward. Well, you'll see it gets even more awkward. Had previously <laughs> died due to longstanding health problems, and so Burr was raising their daughter. Um... Theodosa became, like, the daughter became very close to Burr, and he was, like, obsessed with her, became, quote, like, the light of his, everyone said she was the light of his life, um, and he considered her well-being the utmost priority and spent almost all of his time with her. He's quoted as saying, I hope yet by her to convince the world that neither sex seems to believe that women have soul. <laughs> uh, okay. he, he loved this bitch. So, so he was, like, the first feminist then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aaron Burr, feminist at large. Um, <laughs> she ended up disappearing at sea in 1812, but that's a whole other story. Yes, she disappeared at sea. This is a, it's a, this is a long story. But Did other people disappear too? No, she just, she just disappeared on a ship, never to be seen again. We have no idea what happened to her. There's huh. a lot more there, but that's more than we can fit into this episode. But I would love to talk about it again another time because it's very interesting and I didn't really know much about that. <laughs> How could you? Of Aaron Burr's <laughs> <I'm> daughter. Not, <laughs> look, I'm not an Aaron Burr historian, so sue me. Is that okay with you? Can I'm I, fine can I live? Okay, good. So rumors started to spread through the city regarding their relationship and people were saying that they were having an affair. And mm. none, other, none other than one Mr. Alexander Hamilton, owner of the New York Post, started, he was the one who was gossiping and starting all these rumors. And a lot of people say, like, that, I mean, there's other reasons why they had that duel on July 11th, 1804 in Weehawken, New Jersey. What? But a, okay, a first lot of, all, of it. I don't even know about this, but this guy was the president and he's gossiping about this? He was the vice president. Burr was the vice president and Hamilton was, um... The, one of the founding fathers, but he was never like president or vice president. He was the treasurer, secretary he was just of the a treasury. Rich white dude. He was a rich white man. He was a federal, like the founder of the Federalists. He was not the, you know, he was like a businessman, a businessman, if you will, and a fucking gossip girl, also. And then there's also, I guess, like, a, like an off Broadway show about him. Never heard. That of nobody it. Never has heard seen. It. No, I don't. My oh right, Mike Pence's favorite play do you remember when he like in 2016 like right after the election there was like a whole thing about mike pence going to see hamilton and like getting booed out of the theater which i love (laughs) no i do not remember that but Um, what a guy yeah what a guy what a fly okay look so the the duel was said to have like a large part of it because he was spreading these rumors about uh aaron burr sleeping with his daughter well maybe it's true i mean look Anything is possible. I don't really have enough of the facts yet to say whether or not it was 
it was true or not, or maybe it was Richard Gere, right? Here's Let's what I say. Back then, incest was probably fine because uh, everyone died when they were seven. So Theodosia didn't have time to like find a husband. That's true. Oh, well, she did have a husband, and she had a <gasps> son, and she became like sick in childbirth, and then her husband, her son, actually ended up dying of malaria. But Tuberculosis? that's neither here nor there. Uh, malaria? Where were they? He died of boredom. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But listen, this is what I have to tell you. So after. Okay. After the duel, it wasn't like, like, they had agreed to a duel, but, like, Burr became, like, he was charged with murder. And so it wasn't, like, they just had this duel and everything went back to business as normal. He ended up being acquitted, um, but his property, including his carriage house, was taken away from him. Oh, because back in the olden days, duels were legal, right? I think you could have a duel, but it is so odd to think about... (laughs) The president and the owner of the New York Post, the former Secretary of the Treasury, having a duel. Well, I was and then listening the vice to president some kills the other guy. Historic, probably like the dollop or something, where they were talking about this guy. Because, like, basically, the whole thing about duels, at least for a while, and this is in Europe, so who knows what it was like in America, but you could challenge anyone to a duel. And if you killed the other person, you would maybe go to trial, but almost always would be acquitted. But. This guy had a reputation for going around and asking for duels all the time just to, like, solve normal problems in his life. Like, someone was right. taking too long at the bar to give him his change back, and he challenged him to a duel. <laughs> um, Cuts him off in traffic with his horse. He's like, duel time! Yeah. Um, but I think you were supposed to maybe just shoot them. Anyway, it's insane. It's Why are they shooting each other at all? It's very... Stupid. Yeah. But if you are going to do it, you should do what Joe Biden wants people to do and shoot them in the leg so they're not dead, right? Exactly. Yeah, just follow the Joe Biden method for everything. All of your favorite person, Joe Biden, just, you know. Although I guess if that. they're shot in the leg, they can still shoot you. It's a conundrum. I need to think about this a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Next week's episode is going to be about duels, okay? <laughs> what does that have to do with food? Just figure it out. I'm going to do my part on dueling banjos, though, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. Um, Okay, so look, uh, everything got taken from him, including the carriage house. It got uh, transformed into uh, a fire engine house, and then it got transformed as the neighborhood became, went from kind of slummy to an up-and-coming neighborhood right after that in the early 19, or in the late 1890s, uh, the city sold the carriage house and got turned into a brothel and a saloon. Um, it has all kinds of spooky things in there, including a hidden stone-lined passageway that ran to the Hudson River. Some people thought it was used to like sneak in illegal goods, and other people think it was uh, served as a tunnel for the underground, underground Railroad. It's probably for also Prohibition stuff. Totally. I mean, well, that was pre-Prohibition, right? So the, that was like in the 1800s, but I'm sure when Prohibition came along, they probably used it for that too. So it was really kind of already a spooky house. It then became a, a silent movie house. Wait, um, did you just think that I thought that Prohibition was the same time as slavery? <laughs> yeah, I figured that you thought, listen, Nicole. No, I just meant like it wasn't built for that, obviously. Okay, got it. Okay, so um, they, the owners, when they took it over in 1973, they kept a lot of the kind of beautiful old, uh, olden features antique bottles, horseshoes, pitching post. Um, and then they added a bunch of nice new things. But so anyway, they say it's haunted. Um, and they say it's haunted by like up to 20 ghosts. <laughs> 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 up 
up to and including 20 ghosts. Wow. General manager Roxanne, Mar- Roxanne Martino's quote is saying, quote, I have had experiences, inexplicable experiences. I've been here for eight years and I've seen a lot. Um, including probably men taking their mistresses on uh, Valentine's Day dates and then taking their wives a couple of weeks later, as I read in Eater. That is haunting. That is haunting. (laughs) Um, Okay, so some of the paranormal activity that happens, uh, according to this GM, is picture frames. Tilting, machinery acting by itself, strange drafts, but especially by the bar. Flying plates, which is probably just, I mean, that's par for the course in the kitchen. Uh, Flickering lights, staff members will occasionally be pushed down when they turn and no one is there. What? I know, that's pretty wild, right? Um... Another manager, Kirk Adir, describes the restaurant like a forest. Quote, you know that there are creatures around you, but you don't necessarily see them. Maybe out of the corner of your eye, but for the most part, they remain hidden. Staff members have quit over some of the experiences because they, but you know, the ghosts aren't like thought to be necessarily malicious, but one server was like, pushed down the stairs, and so he quit <gasps> by a ghost. But yeah. probably it was just a coworker who hated him. Exactly. Uh, parapsychologists, uh, said that there's at least 20 ghosts and that they think they're from all different time periods, but that they're all aware of each other. Other people think that Aaron Burr haunts the establishment. Sure. Um, there are stories about a woman who dresses in a black gown who's been seen walking down the staircase, but never up the staircase. Huh. And the parapsychologist theorized that she broke her neck falling down the stairs. Or she's trying to tell them that they need to get an elevator. <laughs> She's like coming down. Um, there's an entity that estab- that inhabits the office, and the parapsychologist said that they have had an encounter with it. Um, it's the ghost of bookkeepers past. You're late on your sales tax. So uh, boring. Yeah, and uh, apparently one of the ghosts is a girl from the Zigfield Follies. The staff lights a candle for her every night, which I think is very sweet. Why? What happened? What's her deal? Did she fall on the stairs? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many people could have possibly died falling down the stairs at the same place. But Well, if a lot of them, if 20 people died falling down the stairs, they need to do something about that. That's true. She could have just choked on B. Wellington. Who's to say? <laughs> um, and then there's a spirit of a man who likes to linger by the fireplace and one who likes to use the front door. For what? I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> He uses the front door? Yeah, he just uses it, I guess, for going out on the town He's on like, ghost dates. Do you guys mind if I use this? <laughs> he just takes it off and he just, like, sits on it. Oh, he my God. He uses it at a table. I'm he sorry. sleeps on it. Can you guys hear that dinging sound? No. Okay. Maybe it's a ghost. Ah, it's Aaron Burr. Be careful. Get out of there quick. He's angry. Oh, my God. It's Aaron Burr. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. It's Aaron Burr again. Do you guys mind if I use this front door for my haunting? <laughs> I'm going to read you one small review of one of my land toot by sea. This one uh, was written on Valentine's Day 2016, the last day of Brucey Spooky. Rip off, rip off, rip off. Brasserie food at Michelin's two-star prices. The interior is gorgeous. The service is authentic, but the prices utterly destroy the experience. The service not- is authentic? Right. It, maybe he was being served by one of the ghosts. It's not romantic when you want to kill whoever recommended the spot. That's true. <laughs> avoid, avoid, avoid. And what was his problem? It's expensive. 
It's like, no shit. You knew it was going to be expensive, you fucking idiot. Yeah, I mean, it costs a lot to have ghosts in there. They probably use a lot of electricity with all their energy and shit, right? (laughs) That's true. Exactly. Flicking on and off the lights at all hours, burning things down. Using the front door. (laughs) Exactly. You know how many front doors this place has had to replace? Yeah. Also, that lady keeps going down the stairs and never up. She has to get back upstairs somehow. <laughs> she takes in a lift from the <laughs> bottom of the stairs. She crawls out. She takes a lift to get back up to the top of the stairs. And that is not free, yeah, my friends. Certainly not. And she's taking yep. all the psychic energy from the coat from the workers by pushing them down. Exactly. There's a lot of workman's comp. Everyone's falling down the stairs left and right. They've had to replace these stairs like 45 times. <laughs> that is the story of One If By Land, Two If By Sea. I have another... I might... Maybe we'll do a two-parter because I have a whole thing about the Jane Hotel that's really interesting. Um, oh, cool. Maybe we'll talk about it next How week. old is the Jane? The Jane is 19... Uh, like, 1800s. Oh, 1908. Sorry. <laughs> The 1800s yeah. plus, like, eight years. Exactly. Um, so that's it. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. And it's, it's scary. <laughs> I'm terrified. I can't believe we never got there. I never knew about all of it. I mean, I definitely have heard, heard of this place. But I didn't know that it was supremely haunted. I know. I don't know. I never went either. That's, like, one of my favorite old pastimes is, like, going to sit at fancy restaurant bars and have a drink. Um, which if restaurants ever open again, I highly recommend great way to like experience something without having to like, you know, eat overpriced food. That's not that good, but still get the, you know, and then go do something, get like a cheap dinner somewhere. That's actually good. Yeah, Fancy drink, cheap dinner. Split a beef wellington with one of the ghosts. <laughs> exactly. Just ask one of the ghosts for a nibble of its Welsh rarebit. <laughs> um, okay. What are your top three favorite spooky things about spooky season? Um, are we, are we not allowed to call it Halloween anymore? Is that way? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The liberal limousine liberals have said we can't call it Halloween anymore. Just kidding. No, I, Halloween. That's fine. All Hallows Eve. <laughs> the day of the dead. That's Dracula's actually, yeah. b- birthday. Dracula's birthday. Peter Pumpkinhead's birthday. <laughs> Wes Craven's birthday. My birthday. Kruger's birthday. (laughs) Carrie's birthday. (laughs) Carrie's birthday. (laughs) Stephen King's birthday, too, coincidentally. (laughs) (laughs) What are your top three favorite things about Stephen King's bar mitzvah day? (laughs) Um, Well, I just love the whole spookiness. I like to start breaking out my scary novels, and Mm -hmm. um, I I, I immediately start writing scary novels is what I meant by that. Um, I do, I do love to go into the forest around these times. So we had a great time last year. So I just did a spit tape. I like when it's pitch black outside and it's a little breezy and it's fall and you can hear the leaves rustling around and it's very Ooh. creepy. Oh yeah, last year we went to a cabin in the woods. It was so <laughs> isolated on a lake and watched scary movies. And yeah, it and was dark. Felt scary. Scary. I was still awake and it was scary. But I had my jewel who protected me. Now I don't even have my jewel, so it's scary. <laughs> and by your jewel, you mean. Jewel the singer. Yeah. Your jewel. She was like... <laughs> <laughs> That's what she was like. Your favorite friend, Jewel. Um, and just all the fun, like, trick-or-treaty stuff. Like, the kids and... I just love fall. Yeah, me too. Fall is wonderful. And I love getting scared. I love scary movies so Boo! much. 
I'm so scared. Thank you. <laughs> um, my favorite things, I guess I love number three. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Halloween decorations. Mm-hmm. I love Halloween decorations. My neighborhood is awesome because everyone's got like the garden area in the front and mm-hmm. Carol Gardens. And people really go for it. And I appreciate that because my dad used to deeply go for it. But, like, not in a cutesy way. He would, like, my dad made sculptures and he did a lot of paper mache stuff. And so when Halloween came around, he (laughs) would really go in and he'd, like, make these paper mache things. He would, like, cast family members in paper mache to get, like, the shape of the bodice. And then, like, make these, like, elaborate ghouls that would be, like, popping out of the ground and, like. Oh, my God. yeah, it was cool. He really went for it. We um, um in the suburbs where I'm at, that's happening a little bit. On Main Street, there's this one. My favorite one because it's simple. It's just like a little tiny grave. They have like mm-hmm. a tree with a bunch of <laughs> ivy on the ground underneath, and then underneath the grave is like the skeleton's head and arms are popping out, like he's getting out of his grave. I love that. I kind of like what would, would be fine if it just stopped at just the grave, just like one single grave (laughs) that's your only decoration (laughs) very minimalist just a grave for us just one one grave (laughs) so i love that my number two i guess i'm gonna go ahead and say um i love kiddos trick-or-treating yeah i think it's really cute. cute it's so cute i like have done handed out candy it's really easy in this neighborhood because there's a lot of kids and like they're all bouncing around what are you gonna do this year i was actually because my parents are gonna be out of town so it's just gonna be me here boo um i'm gonna (laughs) i'm going to well i'm gonna be upstate new york actually i'm going to kingston um to hang out my friends who have kids and well i think i'm gonna do a thing where I just leave a big bowl of candy on the porch because Mm -hmm. obviously like COVID stuff is just making everything so stupid, but the children need. Think of the children. The children of Indiana who eat so much candy. Um, They, I still want them to have a little fun, but I also don't want them to like breathe on me. So. Well, get a slingshot and just slingshot it at them. That sounds like a liability. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, just get soft things like marshmallows. Oh, okay. My- Each child gets an individually unwrapped marshmallow. <laughs> yeah. And my favorite thing, of course, is a Reese's pumpkin. Ugh. Delicious. Filled with chalky, salty goodness. I'm, yeah. I'm so into it. They're already out there. Get one. Don't get the white chocolate ones, though. That's yeah. I like white chocolate, but that is an abomination. It's absolutely wrong on all accounts. I do um, have to say one thing. Just sounds... The not in my backyard or something. I don't even know. Sure, the complainer's sure. corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like Halloween lights. The ones that are like Christmas lights with their purple and orange. Oh, no. Purple and orange is the worst color combination you could possibly have. Sorry, whatever basketball team has that. I <laughs> I love Christmas lights, too. I The nostalgia is deeply associated with me and those guys. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one, Same. I'm sure. Um, but so... Yeah, but you're very alone there. The Halloween lights, I don't know. I think it just... I don't like it at all. And, you know, there are plenty of people who just don't take them down ever. So they're just up there all year round. And then you Plenty just... of people? How many people do you know that leave their... <laughs> First of all, I don't even know the many people who put up Halloween lights, let alone leave them up all year. Who are these people? I How don't many have you know seen? them. I live <laughs> near them, and I walk by their house. Well, I'm house... never coming to Indiana. I just drove by a house the other day that has <laughs> um, broken down, but still up on their roof, Santa and his sleigh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Whoopsie diddly, guys. We are in official hell zone here. It's a full-on hellscape. Careful. 
<laughs> a Santa? Come on. Come I on. saw Christmas decorations today at the hardware store and I nearly had to, I don't even know, rip them all down in a rage. <laughs> Get out of here! It's not even Halloween yet. Ugh. I mean, that's weird though. Who's, who's, who's doing it? Who's doing it? Who? Not in my backyard. Collect- <laughs> now I'm not in my backyard. Collectively, now I'm not in my backyard. Now I'm, not, now I'm not in my own backyard or your backyard. Everybody, get out of my backyard. I'm okay? not in my backyard either. Um, yeah, that's a euphemism for my butt. <laughs> Bring it back. I'm calling back Richard Gere, even though I know I'm not supposed to. <laughs> oh, wait, but let's do one more, even though we ran out of time. What's your favorite okay. scary movie? Ooh, my favorite scary movie is either Scream Mm-hmm. Or Halloween or Carrie. Um, well, that's three, but that's fine. I they're tied. Scream, I guess. Scream is. I favorite. love Scream. I just rewatched Hellraiser, which I also love. Oh wow, that's a good one. So campy and so grody. Yep. Um And I also love Carrie a lot too. I love Poltergeist too. There's so many. Poltergeist is great. Yep. It's great, and we should we'll we'll come at you with a couple more spooky episodes. Yeah, there's Halloween. time. There's plenty of time. Also, we never stop doing spooky episodes. Really, for us, it's year round. That's true. I've been haunted since the day I was born. Oh, one thing that I'm not appreciating, which I've been posting on my my personal Instagram, is the spookiness of um, companies coming out with like or like websites being like like hide this hummus in your christmas or in your halloween brownies and stuff and that will not stand for me okay don't (laughs) don't haunt my baked goods with hummus okay Okay. i won't for all you for all you guys please please believe please know this about me i don't like it i don't want i don't want it i don't trust it it's not that i even mind hummus being in there it's just i don't want you sneaking me hummus just give me hummus say here's some hummus don't put it in banana bread believe that there's hummus in this fucking muffin recipe yeah, if you don't want me to sla- if you don't want me to slap your face, don't put hummus in my muffins. That's all I'm saying. Great. It's haunted and it scares me. Okay, that's it for me. I have to pee so bad. I don't know if you can tell by like the way I'm stuttering, but it's because I have to pee mm. in a way that I almost never have had to before. Let's get out of here. Well, we could have waited till the podcast was over for you to tell me that. But podcasters, they're just <laughs> like us. <laughs> 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 Go to the bathroom! Pasta la pasta! (laughs) Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.